I like Peter. He's a mess. He's real. He's flawed. He is shifting sand. But Jesus sees something in him. Jesus sees that he is going to be a solid rock. And, um, you know, it can't come soon enough, and it, and it doesn't come very soon. It doesn't happen very quickly for Peter. But today we're going to be looking at uh, Luke chapter 5. But before we do that, I want to call your attention to Mark and Matthew have virtually the same story, but they give a much smaller rendition of it. It's a Reader's Digest version of that. So today, the life of Peter uh, answer the call. I mentioned last week that I think Peter was actually called to serve, to follow Jesus, uh, four times in the scriptures. We heard about the first one last week in John chapter 1, where Jesus says, hey, you're uh, Simon, but your name's going to be, your nickname's going to be Rocky. And, and that was that first initial calling. Today's passage might be there, you know, they don't know exact chronology on this, but about four months later could be. And this is a very famous calling of Peter. Sometimes we, we look at this and think, oh, this is the first time he met Jesus and immediately followed him. Well, that's probably not the case, but I would, I would think about a call. Hey, do you have a home phone now? How many of you have a home phone? Oh, this pretty good. Next hour, there won't be near this many. We have a home phone, too. And we have an answering machine connected to it. We don't have very good cell coverage. If the internet goes down, we don't have any phone service at all. But we have a home phone for one reason, so we don't have to answer the phone. And we have an answering machine on that. And um, if you call our home phone, if we have a really cool thing. If the TV's on, it comes up on the screen who's calling. I mean, some of you are cool that way, too, like me. Yeah? Uh, it, it's kind of fun. And, and if we see, you know, Duluth, Minnesota, or uh, someplace in Maryland, uh, you know, we just, oh, let the answering machine get it. Uh, so, so we do that. I remember when I was a kid, we had one phone, and it was the, in the hallway. And uh, if the phone rang, we ran to answer the phone. It was so exciting that we would get a call, you know. We used to do that. Now we run from it. No, you get it. No, you get it. We avoid it. Uh, so do you let calls go to your answering machine? Do you do that? I know this because when I call some of you, uh, you're letting the answering machine screen your calls because after I'm about halfway through my message, oh, hi, Pastor, it's you, you know. And uh, there's, I know some of you routinely do that. But I'll have to tell you, this last Tuesday, I got a call. It was from our congressman. Tom McClintock called me. He did, and he was actually on the phone. It wasn't a personal call. It was a group call, but he was there live, too, and I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. He wanted to, ch to chat. You know? So I listened in for a while, and I didn't like what they were talking about at that point, uh, and so I thought, ah, oh, this is interesting, but I don't have time for this. Okay, and uh, I, I hung up, and he, and he didn't notice, I don't think, that I was on the phone or, or not, but by the way, the president has called me, too, but that was just a recorded message, and so 
So have you been called like that? Have you gotten these calls? Uh, do you answer? Do you answer the call? Uh, you know, it used to be, back in the old days when I was a kid, only friends and family called you. Businesses didn't call you and try to solicit stuff in those days. Uh, now, almost half of our calls are telemarketers. Or we do get um, calls from the doctors who are calling to make sure we show up for appointments. So those are the kind of things. And, and I try to look at our answering machine and, and get the, the messages at least a couple times a week. So if I got an urgent call there, call, you better call my cell phone, okay? But today we look at the call, the call that Peter got, sp specifically from Jesus. Three other disciples will get this call today too, but Peter's the one we hear the most about. So here's how Matthew records this event. Uh, if you have King James, it says, it came to pass. It's translated in our version as one day. Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they were fishermen for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, if you thought this was the very first encounter that Peter and Andrew ever had with Jesus, you would think, Wow, what remarkable evangelism. I mean, Jesus had tremendous uh, 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 calling of people, and they immediately came. This passage goes on, verse 21, it says, A little further up the shore he saw two other brothers, James and John, and they were sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and they were repairing their nets. And he called to them, too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Uh, it's amazing here when we look at this instant response. Well, it is terrific evangelism, but, and we get a very brief look at this from Matthew and Mark. But these are life-changing events. We often think the disciples just kind of continually walked with Jesus from the moment they first met him until he was crucified. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case either. There are times when they were with him, and sometimes they're not. Uh, they come and go some. And they maybe went back home for a time to work, to fish, if that was it. Could be over half of them might have been fishermen. But at some point, Peter answered the call that changed his life forever. And he was never the same after he answered that call. And it wasn't the call we talked about last week in John 1, because Peter's back fishing after that, for months, per perhaps. But let's look at Luke's account, which is quite a bit more detailed. Same event. This is Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Starts out the same way. It came to pass, one day. As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. It's interesting that the fishermen had to wash their nets, clean them, and stretch them, and dry them 
because the materials that they used then, they would break. They were brittle if they didn't do that. And so they were doing this. And so they're washing their nets. Look at what happens. Jesus, stepping into one of the boats, he asked Simon, its owner, remember he owns the boat, to push out into the water. This is just push out a little ways. And, and what he does is he creates a kind of a natural amphitheater an event. And his voice, Jesus' voice, travels over to the water to the hillside where this great crowd is. So he sat on the boat, and Jesus taught the crowds from there. And where is Peter? He's sitting right there in the boat, probably still cleaning and stretching his net and listening to the preaching of Jesus, the teaching. Now, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets for and catch some fish. Now, notice he doesn't say, let's go fishing. He says, let's go catching. And so there's a little difference there. Because whenever I talk to fishermen, they go fishing. They don't go catching. And John just told me about when he was up in Washington last week, he caught a, how big was that salmon? 22-pound salmon, and it was not in season, so he had to release it. Um, so that's sometimes they not only go fishing and catching, but they do catch and release. And, and that's, you know, a lot of real purist fishermen would have you do that. But, but look at this. Simon is a fisherman for a living. And what does this rabbi know about fishing? What are you, are you kidding me? But he says this. He says, Master, this is Simon reply. We worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Pause, pause. Come on, Jesus say, well, that's okay. You're tired. You don't have to do it. He doesn't. So look at what Simon says. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, the nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, James and John. Their dad was there too, some hired men, I guess. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. That is a lot of fish. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said this, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So I ask you today, what convinced Peter to leave everything and to follow Jesus? What was it that caused him to answer the call? We won't even answer the phone, but he answered and changed his life. Why did he answer this call? Now, we know that Jesus and Peter had met before this, as we talked about last week. And 
I, so I, I think about this. What, what does Jesus encounter this day? The first thing that Jesus encounters with Peter is that Peter's there listening to his preaching. So do you think it was the preaching that caused Peter, Simon, to, to leave everything and follow Jesus? I don't think so. As much as preachers would love it to think that every message changes every person's life. There's the potential. There's little seeds there. So it wasn't the preaching, but man, that's the Word of God. We, we put great hope and strength and power in the Word of God, right? So it wasn't the preaching. So was it Jesus' teaching? Jesus explaining the truth of God. It's one thing to present the truth, but to, then to explain it, to teach it. Oh, that must surely be what it was that caused Peter to leave everything. No, it wasn't. As important as teaching is, and we have to have teaching, we believe in being lifetime learners at Christian. We always want to be in small groups, Bible studies, doing our own Bible studies, being in some kind of a Sunday school class, all of that. Oh, I know what it was. It was Jesus' commanding voice saying, push out in the water, go deeper. It was the command of Jesus to go deeper. That's what caused Peter to change. No, because he didn't even want to do that. Actually, he, he, it's clear he didn't want to go. I mean, Peter had good reasons for not answering this call. He, they'd fished all night. You know how they did that? Um, they would get a light, and they'd put it on a little float, and they'd put it out there, maybe a little oil lamp or something, and, and then they would have two boats with a dragnet in between them. And the fish at night would be attracted to that light, and then they'd bring the net along, and, and it was a dragnet style of fishing. And, and that was what they did in that time. So they'd done that all night, and they, they were tired. They were tired. They fished all night, were tired. Not only that, but their spirits were low because they had caught nothing. And, it, and there's nothing worse than talking to a fisherman and, and, and saying, well, how'd you do? And they say, well, we caught nothing. Um, I don't really know about that because I don't fish much, but I have caught a fish before. And it is kind of an exhilarating moment when you do that, uh, to not catch. You know, that's why they call it fishing, not catching. But So you just know that. At this net fishing was only good at night, and now it's daylight. So why would we go now? All good reasons that a professional fisherman could say to an amateur uh, preacher, why to not go fishing? But then there's this. But if you say so. So there might be a time in Scripture or through the Holy Spirit that, that God would speak to our hearts. Once in a while, people even still talk about an audible voice, but this is, this is for a sure thing. Peter heard an audible voice. Let's go fishing. And he answered that call. That was that first step of obedience. If you say so. Not because your parents say so. Not because a preacher says so. Not because your boss says so. But if Jesus says so. It's, it's like Peter saying, hey, if you command it, I'll obey. All right? I'll do it. Okay. But with Peter, sometimes with us, um, we can be 
reluctance in our obedience. We can be reluctant obedient. And that's the way Peter is. I mean, Jesus may ask us to do things that we don't want to do. Does that ever happen to you? Sometimes it makes no sense to us. Why would I do that? And Jesus may be asking you to move out into deeper water. And you'd rather stay on near the shore. It's easier. It's safer. There are so many excuses. There are so many reasons and important things on our agendas that keep us from answering the call. We may miss the blessing that God has for us when we don't answer, but, but not if we listen and respond. Because even a reluctant, but if you say so, response can bring a blessing. And that's what happens for Peter today. It's not the preaching or the teaching. It's not even the commandment. Something happens to get him to leave everything, to have a change. For Peter, the blessing was so huge, the nets were beginning to tear. And how does he respond? Wow, Jesus, you're the greatest. No. Jesus, you are scaring me. Get away. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. But what convinced Peter to leave everything and follow Jesus? Why did he answer this call? So it's not the preaching, it's not the teaching, it's not the commanding. You know, it was the blessing that came from the obedience, the miracle of knowing who Jesus really is. It was that he found something he could really believe in, to put his faith in he discovered that Jesus is Lord, that he is, he is different from all of these others. He, and Peter's going to be the one later on to reveal that you are God himself. But that's not today. Peter's still shifting sand. So he's frightened, he's awestruck, and he's unworthy. Peter says, leave me, Lord, and Jesus says, I'll never leave you. And we need to be reminded of that. Jesus says, don't be afraid. You'll be fishing for people. And when you hear someone saying, don't be afraid, there's a good chance that there's something for you to be afraid of. Okay? I just want to make that clear. Uh, you should be concerned. The journey that you're on, you might be invited to, to take some chances, some risks. Otherwise, the warning wouldn't be needed. So what? caused Peter to change? What causes people to change now? Was it the calling? Certainly the calling needs to be there. And, and we need to hear, and we hear this with our hearts, the call of God. And when Jesus gives us an invitation to follow him, know that somehow you don't have to be afraid. Now Peter is still shifting sand. And he's more sandy than rocky right now, okay? But he makes a radical decision to leave everything and to follow Jesus. Was it because Jesus called him? I don't think so. That was certainly an important step in it. And it was not the question of Jesus, will you come? It's not that calling, that invitation. It's not by Jesus or even by preachers. Will you follow Jesus? Because Jesus invites everyone to follow him. Some people just don't listen. It's not the question, 
and, and we tell people all the time, we, they, they hear this question about, will you follow Jesus? Will you follow me? It's not the question. It's not the calling. It's the answer to the question. It's how you answer that question that makes the difference. And the obedience to follow Jesus is what makes a disciple. Peter knew all about Jesus. He's going to learn a lot more, but he knew about him already. He, he loaned Jesus his boat. Now, I don't know if you have a, a, are a fisherman who has a boat. Are, are you willing to loan your boat to people? That's a pretty big thing. Of course, he went along, so maybe that's an answer for us. Was it that, that he listened to his teaching? Sure, I'm sure the teaching had great value for Peter because these disciples are going to realize this, this person, this Jesus, speaks with real authority. Of the, he's, he's like the voice of God. And Peter call, was called by him, and he called Jesus Lord. He did what Jesus asked him to do. He pushed out a little, and, and that's maybe the secret. He asked him a little, but then Jesus asked for a lot. Okay, move out into deeper water. Let's, let's catch some fish. Now, I know that many of us would say we follow Jesus, and I believe we do. And, and many of you have been following Jesus for many, many years. And God bless you in that. But maybe there's something more. Because why and how you answer the call makes all the difference. We need faith that will cause us to leave everything. And somehow when Peter saw that miracle of all those fish, he understood fishing. He understood how unusual, what a miracle this was. And his response to seeing that and who Jesus really was and putting his faith in Jesus is what allowed him to leave and answer the call. And, and maybe we don't put that much faith in Jesus. Maybe we just say, oh, yeah, I'll try out this Christian thing. It's not life-changing for us. It's just something we add on to our life. But that's not what Peter's demonstrating here. All right, I have a fishing story. This is years ago. We were at Triangle Lake in uh, Oregon. And Jeff is maybe five or six years old. And he wanted to go fishing. He saw some of his uncles, you know, get all this special rod and reel and, and tackle and all this and go out fishing. And um, they didn't catch anything, but he still wanted to try. And so I'm thinking, oh, great. Okay, so what do I do here? So I go to the little storage room on the side of this little cabin, and I find in there a piece of it's just some leader fishing line, and there's a big old hook on it about this big, you know, way too big for anything in that lake, I think. But, and I look at the, at the hook, and there's a dried-on worm from the previous years. I don't know how long that worm has been dried on there, but I find a stick, about a five-foot branch, okay? And uh, I tie the leader onto the branch, and I say, here you go, Jeff, go fishing. And he, oh, he is so excited. 
I'm thinking, there's no way he's going to catch everything, and I'm happy with that. You understand? You know? But he goes down to the dock, and it's quite a ways from the cabin down to the dock. He's got his life jacket on. He's five or six years old. He's very responsible, and he's down there standing on the side of the dock, and pretty soon we hear hallelujahs, you know? And he's got the fishing pole in one hand, and he's got the line in another hand, and he is running, I caught a fish! And I'm thinking, what? I had no faith whatsoever that he was going to catch a fish. And I'm not very excited that he did, but he did. He was down there fishing, and he caught a fish. It was a massive fish about this big, a little bluegill, you know, that would even be so hungry to eat a dried-on worm from way before. And I realized Jeff had way more faith in his fishing ability than I did. But he had a desire. And he acted on it. And he had faith that he would catch something. You know, if it would have been a couple of hours, I could have said, well, see, Jeff, I told you there's no, you know, no, it, it wasn't very long at all. And what do you think that did for his faith? For Peter, the great catch shows him who Jesus really is. And he is frightened by who Jesus really is. I don't think we have that awesome respect for who Jesus really is. We just kind of add him to our life. And, and I, I think we'd like to think that we have that. But it's so dramatic here that Peter's willing to leave everything. What does he leave? He leaves the largest catch he has ever had, and he leaves it behind to follow Jesus. What was more important to Peter than all those fish? Nothing in the world except Jesus just became so. And I think that's what it is for us. Jesus is just not quite that important to put all of our faith in. And that's what it means to be a disciple. And, and I, I think, unfortunately, maybe we have sold a cheaper gospel that didn't require us to leave everything. We say, oh yeah, follow Jesus. You can do whatever you're doing. Just kind of you know, follow him. Come to church, give your 10%. That kind of thing. Boy, that, that is so minimal. And so many people have a hard time doing that. Any excuse will get in the way from following Jesus, from going to church, from paying our tithe, or serving in a ministry. And yet, for Peter, as our example today, he had a life-changing experience. And he left it all because Jesus became more important. So knowing, knowing who Jesus is, there was nothing that Peter could do except follow him. When you are confronted with who Jesus really is, that's when you have the faith to leave everything else behind. We have a word for that. We call that sanctification. Setting apart ourselves fully committed to Jesus. We're not doing our own thing anymore. We're doing Jesus' thing. It's not about our needs, it's about what do you need, 
Jesus. And that's the first step that Peter took this day. It's going to go on and grow because he's becoming a true disciple. And when we will do that, when we live that way, we're going to find growth that, that we had, could not have imagined. So what does it mean to truly follow Jesus? Well, what does this commitment entail? So Jesus calls us to follow and to fish for people. So here's what you might do. And, and in your notes, you, you'll see this. This is a way to start each day. You could make this a prayer. And it starts with, here I am, Lord. Everything I have is yours. Send me on your mission. Don't join me on my mission. Send me on your mission. And help me to fish for people. And let me have faith that I'll catch them like Jeff had when he was six years old. You see, Christ is calling you to follow him. And he's asking you to, he's asking to use your boat for his purposes, not for yours. But guess what? He just might fill your boat to overflowing. And you might have such faith in him that you're willing to leave all of your stuff behind to follow him. Peter was reluctant. We can be reluctant. Most people in, in the, the scriptures tell us about were reluctant to follow Jesus. If you want to see the, the king of reluctantness, take a look at Gideon. Well, if you could just do one more little test for me, Lord, if you could just do one, and, and, and I'll get a whole bunch of people and we'll win. Oh, no, there's too many. A great story of really putting your faith in God. But in the end, the adventure begins when we say yes, when we answer the call with a full commitment to the Lord. And that yes is, is to a mission of fishing for people. That's what he calls us to do. You know, I, I think that I've been in a lot of um, worship services where there was a big, huge emotional plea, and I didn't know there were that many verses to just as I am that would just wear you down and wear you down. I don't think we need to wear people down into an emotional decision for Jesus. I think we need to make our eyes wide open and see who Jesus really is and make a decision to follow him beyond any emotions. But I want you to know, perhaps you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, Peter had a more dramatic conversion than I've had in my life. And, and I invite you to just really pray right now to ask God about, am I really following you? And I know, I know many of us have been following the Lord for a long time, but how real committed are we? Are, have we left everything? That's a lot to do. And what do you need God to do in your life to have that kind of faith, that you would leave everything, that you would answer the call? as well. I just invite you to bow your heads and let's spend a few moments here in prayer. I want to start my prayer like this. Lord, I want to be a disciple. 
I don't want to just be a Christian or a baby Christian. I, I want to be the real thing. So show me, Lord, what you would ask of me and give me the courage, not to fear, but the courage to respond to you, to step out in faith. Lord, at times I can be reluctant to. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, and you nudge me anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming alongside of us and nudging us in the way we should go. Thank, thank you for the word, Lord. We have the written word, which if we will study, that's the teaching, that's the preaching, but we've got to put it into practice. We've got to do what it says. That's our answer to the call of teaching and preaching. So, Lord, let us be open to what we learn, open to do what you're asking us to do. Not because a preacher asks, not because we get inspired by a song, but because we face the truth that that is what you really want us to do. Thanks, Lord, for giving us the strength and the power of your Spirit to even do it. Because on our own, we can't do it. We're like Peter. He, Peter knows how to fish for fish, and even he got skunked that night. But you're going to teach us how to fish for people. And it's going to be so much more valuable and rewarding to the kingdom of God. So make it so, Lord, I pray. And Lord, the next thing I'd like to say is I just offer my life to you. I offer my gifts to you my talents, my abilities, my resources, any influence that I would have, I, I just, I put them at your disposal. You want my boat, use it. You want my life, I'll put it in your hands. And so, Lord, help me to pay attention to the promptings of your Spirit and use me whatever way you choose to be a part of your mission. And Lord, maybe there's some who are willing to follow to a certain extent or from a distance, and maybe they need a miracle in their life to fully trust you. Well, Lord, I just pray for miracles. I pray for signs and wonders that would cause us to follow you more deeply than ever before. And so, Jesus, we pray for these things to be like Peter, Andrew, James, and John and answer the call with our lives. Make it so. We pray in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I was challenged this week by this message, and this, I'm really enjoying this life of Peter. I hope you are too.